Why? Why does God allow pain and suffering? Why does God allow pain and suffering? Now, depending on where you are in your story, this question either comes out in kind of a, a way of, of thinking philosophically. You know, why, why does God allow pain and suffering? But, but maybe for some of you who are here today, you really have that question. Why, God, do you allow pain and suffering? I'll be honest, at the beginning of this uh, question, uh, this one is, is not only one of the biggest questions that, that people would ask of God if they had an opportunity, but it, it's also one that is used often as kind of the slam dunk, uh, you know, interception, uh, like move of this is why there is no God, you know. Uh, uh, atheist philosopher Bertrand Russell says this, and it's echoed, this thought has been echoed many times over since he said it. Uh, there probably isn't a God after all, he said, because the problem of evil, the problem of evil is a genuine problem for anyone who wants to believe that there is. The problem of evil. In fact, I was reading, even recently, there was another philosopher that said, you know, uh, atheists, Christians, you, you've failed in answering properly this question of evil in the world. If God is so good and so powerful and all-knowing, why is there bad things? Why is there pain and suffering in the world? It's a huge, massive question. As you can tell, statistically, it's the one that most people might humbly walk before a throne and say, why? Like, why? Now, let's look at the question for a moment, and, and let me just say, first of all, this, this isn't a game. This question of, of why would God allow pain and suffering, this isn't a game. Uh, you know, I've shared with you a few times, many of you, my story of, you know, I kind of grew up not really in the church. We were sort of religious, you know, affiliated. But coming up as a young adult, I was over it. And I could argue with you a hundred different ways of why God no and Jesus no and all that stuff no. Uh, and that one was a big one. Why? Well, if there's this good God that's out there, then why? Why would that, you know? But I'll be honest, I kind of did it that way. Like, oh, well, why though? But why would there be sick kids over in the, you know? And there'd be like this sort of prideful kind of jest about it. You know, I would sort of be teasing people about it. Say, well, then if there is a God, then why? <laughs> you know, why? And it was uh, even worse because I, I worked in uh, television news where there was, you know, lots of bad news. I mean, like, yeah, see, see, why? Like, why? And I'm sorry for that because the question itself is not a game. I used to think it was. Maybe Bertrand Russell thought it was too. Oh, it's a game. No, the question itself of, of why would God allow pain and suffering is, is not a game. And especially if you're here today and you are in a season or have gone through or are right now going through pain and suffering, this question is not a game. I'm going to walk through this theologically, how God would allow and why, but I know that in sometimes words could be empty, and so if you're here this morning and, and you are in a season of real pain and suffering, can I just take a moment and pray that the Lord would minister to you wherever you're at? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this sanctuary, for this place uh, where we can come and experience 
you, uh, and maybe you know, people are here right now, and, and the pain and suffering that they're currently going through uh, kind of has clouded them in a sense that they would really grasp and say, maybe there's not, maybe there's not. And, and we're so thankful that they're here. And Lord, I recognize that my words at some level strain to give meaning to that. And so if anyone's here this morning that genuinely has you know, pain and suffering in their lives, and in some measure we all do, Lord, would you minister to their hearts in a way that I can't? I thank you for your presence here. In Jesus' name, amen. Why would God allow for pain and suffering? Why, if there is an all-knowing, all-powerful, and a good God out there, then, then why doesn't he stop it? You ever ask that question? Like, why didn't he just shut that down before all that happened? Why didn't he stop that person before they did that or they did all that? Why didn't he stop them? And I was really wrestling with that question as well. Like, well, why wouldn't he just put the brakes on that? Why wouldn't he shut down that evil over there, right? But actually, the, the, before I begin with that, I guess I'd have to get a question, why doesn't he stop the evil in my heart? You ever notice that? Like, you think about, oh, why doesn't he stop that over there? Why doesn't he stop them, that person? Because that, that's wicked, or that's evil, or that's horrible, or that's abusive. Why doesn't he stop them? But... Where would that line be then of like stopping evil or stopping bad things from happening? What about me? What about the evil thoughts that are constantly rumbling around in my head as I navigate through life? What about all the stuff that I do that's, you know, corruptive? Or what about all the stuff that I think about that's horrible, you know? Why wouldn't, he, why wouldn't I say, how about just start with me? Stop, stop me from doing everything. It's this question of free will, right? There was... Um, in the scriptures, there was a, a woman, and she was caught in the act of her evil. She was adulteress, right? And it was horrible. And so they dragged her into the city streets, and they were ready to stone her to stop her from doing, you know, this evil, to continuing to be a corruption in their society. And Jesus was there, and Jesus stopped them uh, from doing that. And he said, you know, hey, if, you're, if you have no sin, go ahead and uh, you can cast the first stone. If you're so innocent, then how about you? And the lady went on to, to live her life in grace. Why would we begin with me? If we say, hey, why wouldn't God just stop all the evil? Why not just start with me, you know? Why doesn't he start before I would look at someone, someone judgmentally? Why didn't he stop me? Why doesn't he stop me before I might look at someone else with adultery in my head, which Jesus said is the same as doing it? Oh, you've already done it in your mind. Why didn't he stop me? Why does God allow us to be able to go into a store and treat ourselves to a little luxury, forgetting that there's homeless people out there that have nothing? Why did he stop that? Oh, well, because that's not evil, you would, might think. You'd be like, oh, well, why didn't he stop? No, that's actually the evil. Why don't you start with there? Start with that evil. Don't start with me. But there's conviction in each one of us. Where's that line going to be, you know? Well, uh, it would be with the killer type, but... What about me if I'm just ignoring the plight of people as they're, they're dying around me or within 10, 15 miles of us? What about me? Why don't you stop me from doing the things that I do? It's a question of free will. Maybe you've heard that, the argument of free will. Why doesn't God just stop it? Here's a thought. I think God values the gift that he has given, given us free will. I think he values the gift of free will so much that he's willing to risk his reputation. 
God values the gift that he's given to each one of us as image bearers of him, that free will that he's given us. He values that gift so much that he's willing to risk his reputation so that we could have freedom. Still, where are we with this question of why does God allow for pain and suffering? And again, it's not a game. But here you have, you have God, and then you have pain and suffering. And again, for most people, that's a hard one to rectify. You know, we, in, in the discussion groups, we ask that. Like on a scale of 1 to 10, where are you in your confidence of how, you know, God and pain and suffering can exist together? Are you a, are you a solid, you know, uh, 10? Like, no, I get it. It totally makes sense to me. Good God, pain, suffering. Or are you a 1 or maybe in a 0? Like, no, I can't put it together. It, they don't equate. Or maybe you're somewhere in the middle. A, a lot of people I talked to this week in the groups that I've run, somewhere in the middle. It's, it's difficult. But for many people, the reality of pain and suffering delete the sense that God is there. If there's pain and suffering in the world, then there must be no God. Because why would he allow it? Here's a problem, though. If the reality of pain and suffering, which we would say is undeniable, we've all gone through it in some measure, maybe we've seen it more deeply than others, if, re- if all we have left then is pain and suffering, then we're really pitiful. If we take God out because pain and suffering exists, then we're just left with pain and suffering. And you better double lock your doors tonight because that's all we got. And there's no meaning to it. It's just, it just is. I'll take from you and you can take from others all you want because that's all we got. That's all we have is pain and suffering. But when we go back to this question of God being there with pain and suffering, we actually get in that equation a sense of eternal hope. See, the first time we look at this kind of, um, you know, sort of mathematically, we think, well, God won, you know, pain and suffering minus one might equal zero. There's no God. But actually, when you think of God, when you imagine God being before all that pain and suffering, that adds an eternal value to it. That's huge. And then the, the pain and suffering, though rich in our lives, and again, maybe we're here really experiencing it, doesn't actually eliminate God. It's not a, not a one minus one situation. It's an eternal, powerful God, eternal, there, and then we have pain and suffering, which can last even sometimes a lifetime. But we still have a measure of hope. We still have a sense of hope that there's something greater than my pain and my suffering that's out there somewhere that's calling calling to my heart, because there's eternal value, there's eternal meaning over it. So if we keep this equation here of God, pain and suffering equals story of hope, then the question is this, where is God when we're experiencing pain and suffering? Now maybe you've asked that question a few times, maybe when you're going through stuff. It's a rare universal fact that in every culture, people cry out in their pain. It, it couldn't be the little stuff like, you know, you get, you get cut off or you try to start your car this morning and it won't turn on because uh, it's, it's bitter cold and you're just like, ugh. We all do that. Ugh. Are you kidding? And that usually there's a question behind it. What? Are you kidding? That, that's one of my questions. The other is why? Are you kidding? Why? You hear how easily that comes out of my mouth? Because I say it all the time. What? Why? Why? Are you kidding me? Who am I talking to? What question comes out of your mouth, your thoughts, 
when you experience pain or suffering or where you encounter things or where you look upon suffering. Or again, maybe it's in your own story or maybe it's someone you care for. Maybe it's in the news. Maybe it's in the world where you're just like, what comes out of your mouth? What question comes out of your mouth? And more importantly, who are you talking to? Are you kidding me? What are you doing? Who are we talking to? Where is God when we're experiencing pain and suffering? Friends, I believe God is before us. In the scriptures, it tells us that God is before all things, and in him all things hold together, sometimes by the scraps, but in him all things hold together. God is before us. If we imagine who God is, that he is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, always has been, then he actually goes before us in our little story and even of our bigger stories of pain and suffering. God is before us. A couple of weeks ago, we opened up this series talking about purpose and meaning, and I said one of the other gifts that God has given us, along with this incredible gift of free will, is a sense of meaning, a relational value that we love and care more deeply than any other creature in the world. And so when we experience pain or suffering, which some of the deepest pain and suffering isn't maybe what you're going through or what I've gone through personally, it's what people around us have gone through, loved ones. You ever have that where you're like, oh, why God for them, people that you love, you care about? It's because God's given us a heart. That's our meaning. That's our purpose to love. And I've watched enough YouTube videos of animal suffering, like uh, I watched one kind of recently of uh, uh, elephant mama and, and baby was stuck in the mud and then these lions came. It was, and, she, and her grief was profound. But in the end of the video, she walked off and continued on her you know, journey with her herd. It was painful and you could tell there was grief there, but she continued to move on. Humans, we don't just move on from the watering hole. We carry that with us because there's a deeper sense of meaning in our heart. There's a, there's a love, a capacity for relationship that God has given us. And then last week, Pastor Lars led us brilliantly before the question of, is there a God? And he said in that talk that all of us worship something. We all worship in some way. And again, there's uh, worship here in church and, and, and kind of in Christian faith. And then there's kind of, you know, even other worship that people worship their work, they worship their families, they worship wealth, they worship, you know, notoriety, they worship importance. And then he said, you know, what do those things say to you when you're in trouble? Like when you, let's say you, you put all your, your worship in your work, easy one. Okay, we put all our worship and work. That's where we get our value from. And, and, and maybe one day you experience pain and suffering and you lose that job. You're fired, sir. What's your job saying to you now? Or maybe even better, you get to that place, like I said, where, you know, you made it. Get the big job. You got the fat office overlooking the city. And you're like, still got to get more. Not finished yet. Not enough. Not good enough. Okay? We have a capacity for relationship. We have a longing to worship in us. And when we set anything else but God before, we struggle in pain and suffering, but we feel more deeply than any other creature. That's why pain and suffering are such a big question for us. It's like we have a hunger or a thirst for things to be right, that it aches us, and we feel deeply the pain and suffering of others. There's a story in Scripture, and it's, it's reported to be the oldest story in the Bible, 
It's the story of a man that goes through an incredible amount of pain and suffering basically in one day. And I'm sure you've heard of him. His name is Job. And in his deepest suffering, which is like right at the beginning of the book of Job, like right at the start, like bam, this guy gets hit with it all. Worst day ever. He cries out this way. Naked, he says, I came out of my mother's womb, and naked I will return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. And then in a stunning act of worship in the worst day of his life, he says, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's on his worst day. Now, this passage here, maybe you've heard this spoken, uh, uh, you know, sometimes at memorials or sometimes when people are going through hard times, you know, job loss or loss of family member, loss of life tragic stuff, real pain and suffering. And, you know, you got to forgive us Christians and some even good serving pastors where we'll go into those kind of situations. Well, Lord gives and Lord takes away. It's so cold. We have to really watch ourselves for how we respond when people are going through real struggle. But if we take a moment and review this passage, and I've used this passage at, at, a, at a time at a memorial, And it's so easy to focus on the fact that the Lord has taken away. That's what's going to echo in the ears of the person who's going through real pain and suffering. The Lord has taken away. What? Why? But you missed the first part. Let's stop there and put God first. That the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. When we put the emphasis on, on the Lord's grace and his giving, that starts to give some sense of meaning to this pain and this suffering that we're experiencing. Again, just primarily loss of life or real struggle and stuff, right? God gave. He gave you those opportunities. He gave you those loved ones. He gave you those people in your life that you care for, that you love. I remember sitting with a friend who lost her beloved grandma in a, in a family with a lot of relational dysfunction. Grandma was the one person who loved her, the one person she said who I could count on. Grandma was a believer in Christ. This girl was really struggling. She's like, why? Why would God take my one person, the one person who loved me? Why would he take her? Why? And we, we, through the course of time, talked about this, that God gave. The reason that she felt so deeply about it, that love that God had given her through her grandma, he gave that to her. And she got to enjoy that for almost a lifetime of great love that she's going to continue to linger on even now as grandma has passed. God gave her this, in, in, a, in a world of relational dysfunction, one person who loved her so fully. He gave her that. And I said, let's just begin there. And she began to experience this gratitude, the sense of gratitude over who grandma was and how she loved and where that love came from. And then, yes, then we had to wrestle with, well, why, God? Why did he take away? But it changes the question. All too many times I've had friends that have also had that horrible experience as parents where you give birth to a child that does not survive. It's the worst, worst kind of pain and suffering. But I've seen over and over again where friends would be like, we're so thankful we've had this time with this child. We're so thankful we've had this time. And even as we say goodbye for now, we're just so thankful. This is a theme that's very common in the scriptures, even amid great pain and suffering. Putting God first is, thank you, Lord. Thank you that I care so deeply. Thank you that I feel. Thank you for the love we've been given. Where is God? Where are you when there's pain and suffering? 
No, God is with us. This is another theme that's in Scripture throughout. God is with us in our pain and our suffering. The psalmist picked it up when he said, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Prayers that God always responds to are those that come from the gut of our heart. Like, why, God, I need you, I need you today. I need you. He's near to the brokenhearted. Again, that theme is throughout Scripture. Jesus picked it up as well. Blessed are those, he said, who, are, who will mourn. What? Why would blessed be those who are mourned? For they will be comforted. God draws near when there's times of struggle. He draws near when there's that kind of loss or heartbreak. And it's a peace, honestly, that just passes all understanding. It doesn't make any sense. But it's, it's tangible. It's there. I had the unfortunate privilege. I was going up to see my brother who had been struggling for some time uh, with a, a liver uh, disease. And I was, uh, it was kind of a long drive, about 12 hours to get to his house in Missouri. I was maybe 12 minutes away. I was calling his wife saying, hey, I'll be there about 12 minutes. She's like, he just passed. So I pulled into her driveway expecting just to be there for the night. And instead I walked in and she's there with her husband who had been in hospice care and was with her, and he, he, he was gone. He's, he'd taken his last breath. And I walked into this house, but I can only tell you, this is just my, my story. I walked into her house, and I just felt the overwhelming presence of this peace that was so powerful. It was like you, you stepped in, and, and the house was brightened, and she even acknowledged that. She's like, you know, as soon as he was there and he was taking his last breath, like, th- there was suddenly this light, this sunlight that just beamed into the house, and it was, it was just filled with this peace. I don't even know where it's coming from. And we sat in it for a while, and just God is with us is what we could know. We knew he was there. You could sense God is with us. Philosophically, of course, we look at pain and suffering. We're like, yeah, well, where is God? Where? Come on. Where? Where is he when people are really suffering? I can only tell you that he's there in really tangible ways. Yeah, but what about, like, deep suffering? I'll never forget getting ready for church in 2004 and news came out from around the world of a tsunami that had washed over and and killed so many, like loss of life was profound. And and there's something amazing, though, that happens even amid these horrible scenes of devastation is that the gospel, the good news of Christ and the hope of the kingdom of God, it flourishes. It doesn't make any sense, right? We're looking from the comfort of a nice warm home and saying, well, that's horrible, Meanwhile, they're there experiencing great loss, but also great rejoice because there's just this presence of God and and evangelism will be very high in those areas. People are really receptive to hearing the gospel, especially when God's people are obedient to those prompts to go and give aid. Now, you might think like I used to, you know, skeptically. Well, you're just taking advantage of the situation, those poor people. No, you're just, you're going alongside and you're serving and they say, why are you here? And you're like, I'm here because God loves you. I want to know more about that love. I want to know more about that hope. The gospel flourishes in places of devastation. Maybe you've been there. I've seen some really poor. I grew up poor, but I've seen some really deep, deep poor. And the rejoice and the sense of God's presence in these places is, it cannot be explained. It really is true. God draws near to the broken hearted especially where God's people answer the call to serve. Where is God amid pain and suffering? God is leading us through. God is before it, 
God is with us in it, and God is leading us through. This is the hope of his story, that he's leading us through. Why doesn't somebody do something about all of this pain and suffering and loss? Why doesn't somebody do something? You see, friends, the story isn't over yet. It's like, you know, we're walking out of the movie before you've gotten to the end. You know, I think about, uh, you know, why we were all snuggly nice in our, our beds this morning, not realizing that Joe was down there banging on that thing, trying to get it warmed up so that we could be here and enjoy fellowship. But imagine if a bunch of us came here and like pounded on him like, dude, what are you doing? Come on, it's freezing here. It's 52 degrees. We've got to get up there. It would have been a lot harder for him to work, first of all, poor guy. But there was work going on while we were still under the sheets that we didn't even think about. And then we're here this morning like, ah, this feels good. There's work going on above the veil of our pain and suffering that we can't imagine. And it's going to be so amazing because it's going to take any of that season of pain and suffering. And now again, for, for if you're here today and you've really, not kidding around, if you've really experienced it or you're really experiencing it, it's, it's hard to see that veil is, is thick, I know. But the hope of the gospel is that there's a better day coming where all tears are wiped away, all pain is dealt with, and suffering is no more, and it'll last for an eternity. Amen. I heard a story uh, recently of a boy who uh, was accidentally dropped downstairs as a baby, broke his back. 17 years old, he spent 13 years of his life in hospitals trying to recover and reset from this. He's 17, and he spent 13 years of his life in the hospitals. And yet he had this hope about him. And he was always like, God is so good. And the interviewer asked him, like, why do you think God is so good? You've been in the hospital most of your young life. Oh, he's like, 13 years? I know, but God's got an eternity to make it up to me. God is leading us through it. He's leading us through it. And the promise of the scriptures is that eternal life, no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. Jesus said this, I have told you, I have told you these things so that in me you can have peace. You see, in this world, you're going to have pain. You're going to have suffering, but take heart, he says. I have overcome the world. And this blessed assurance that he radiated inspired Paul later to be in, the, in, uh, in Romans 8.18. He said, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not even worth comparing with the glory that's about to be revealed in us. It's not even going to be worth it. We are in a time of great pain and suffering. Jesus compared it to a, like a, a, a pregnant woman on the bed. And ladies, you know what I'm talking about. It's painful. It's painful. But God is in front of it. God is over it. And God is leading us through it. And it's going to be amazing. That we can be assured of. So we're here. And again, maybe you're here this morning, and I want to really be sensitive to that. Pain and suffering is real in your life. Why, God, is a question maybe that's just out of your gut right now. God is before it, and he's good, and he's powerful, and he loves you, and you feel because he has gifted you with that sense of feeling, not to torture you, because he loves you. And he's given you will, free will to choose, not to be a robot. So that, but you can have that choice of being filled with his grace and being wrapped in his love. And God is with you 
in your pain and suffering. This is why we look to Jesus, the Emmanuel, the God who is with us in our pain and our suffering. And friends, there's a hope, the hope of eternal kingdom for those who hold tight to that grace in Christ that we will experience a joy that will never end and an amazing reunion with all the saints there, it says, in a glory that will never end. See, now we're starting to talk about Christianity, though. Is that the only place you get this? Next week, we're going to talk about this question. Is Christianity too narrow? Is all of this stuff only found in Christ? Please join us for the discussion groups, and we'll look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Let me pray as we move, and we're going to spend some time in reflective worship on this reality of God over our story of pain and suffering. Father, I thank you for this time, these attentive ears to hear a message of hope. And Lord, I recognize that, that there may be some who are here today who have walked through or are walking through a deep season of pain or suffering. And Lord, if we truly place you before all these things, I recognize, God, that there's some of us, all of us who are here today, and at some point in our lives, we will experience pain and suffering. Because Jesus said, and he almost didn't have to, we will have trouble in this world. Lord, I pray that your blessed assurance would be that we know that you are before us, that in you and you're a good God, you hold all things together in you. Lord, I pray that we would continue to seek you, God, with us in the struggle, the Emmanuel, the ministry of the Holy Spirit now that comes with this peace that we just can't even fathom, but it's at the time we call for it the deepest. And Lord, I pray that you'd fill us with a sense of hope, the promises of your gospel, that one day, one day, Lord, we will just have worship and we will just have love and we will have bodies and an earth that are incorruptible. We thank you for that promise. Fill us again with your blessed assurance in Jesus' name. Amen.